Hi, we're Josh and Arielle Wamsley, owners of Green Valley Tree LLC, based in North Wyndham. We're proud to sponsor Connecticut East this week and to serve the communities of Wyndham and New London counties with our tree removal and plant health care services. Visit our website at greenvalleytreeworks.com for a full list of our services or give us a call on 860-234-4041. We look forward to hearing from you. Taking on Cancer. We talk to the Echo Foundation about the services and care they provide and to husband and wife patients who are going above and beyond to give back to them after receiving treatment to help all of those diagnosed with cancer. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott-Smith. When it comes to cancer, we tend to talk about it in hushed tones, careful about what we say to those who are diagnosed with it and their families who care for them. But the reality is they want to be treated normally while they receive their treatments, hopefully and in many cases life-saving treatments, so they can return to some form of normalcy. In Norwich, there is an independent cancer organisation called Eastern Connecticut Hematology and Oncology Associates, providing cancer treatments and continuing research into these diseases. They also go one step further with their foundation, providing other essentials for their clients. We start our interview with Dr Dinesh Kapoor, president of the organisation, and with Dana Dowdle of the ECHO Foundation to find out more about their work and finish with an emotional interview with Suzette and Charlie Strickland, husband and wife patients of this cancer organisation that they've decided to give back to. I think the biggest thing I want to get out today is that Eastern Connecticut Hematology and Oncology Associates is an independent and private organisation that was started in 1985. So we've been uh, in practice for uh, 37 years. And the goal of our practice has always been to provide cutting-edge cancer care in patients' own communities. And to that effect, we've implemented so many resources that include clinical research. We have at any given time 37 to 38 clinical trials, which are national and international uh, trials. We have publications that are in the leading journals in the world. We have our own infusion center. We have our own uh, lab. We have our own nurse navigation, triage, as well as social workers and many other services in our practice. And just explain for the listeners, so you deal with all types of cancer or are there specific ones that you sort of like really specialize in? We deal with all kind of cancers and the only thing we currently don't do, do not do any stem cell transplants or, we, uh, or any CAR-T therapies. Those should be done in tertiary institutions. And you're based in Norwich, I believe. So just explain a little bit about where the organization is as well. So we are on 330 Washington Street in Norwich, Connecticut, which is uh, the second floor of the medical office building uh, attached to William W. Backus Hospital. So I'm going to turn now to Dana. You're the executive director of the Echo Cancer Foundation. We have to make sure that we get that correctly because there are other foundations as well, of which you are, of course, part of Echo, Dr. Kapoor's organization. Tell us, Dana, a little bit about the foundation and the work that you do. So the Echo Foundation was started in 2004 is when it became a 501c3. And really the mission is to support patients, their families, and their caregivers 
in their oncology care and treatment. So much what we do is supportive services when a patient is actually receiving chemotherapy. So we've done snacks, lunch, coffee, books. We offer a lot of kind of the supportive services during treatment and then ancillary supportive services outside of treatment. So the foundation has transformed a bit over the years, but most recently kind of our main focus is continuing to provide the resources and support when a patient's receiving treatment through food, snacks, those types of things. But we've transitioned a lot to providing transportation for patients for their care. So getting them to and from the office to get treatment. We've developed a really beautiful relationship with holistic health providers and we help fund those services as well that may not be covered under insurance. So really the the support that we provide is to supplement what ECHO does in terms of looking at the patient from a, a whole person perspective rather than just the cancer perspective. Yeah, I was going to say, because uh, when it comes to, I believe, a term that I've heard is integrative medicine. So some of these things, as you were saying, which may not be covered by health insurance, but do actually show themselves to be incredibly beneficial when they're used in tandem with traditional cancer treatments, because it's a wellness thing as well, isn't it? It is. And I think, you know, I'm very fortunate in that I've never had anyone in my sphere that has had cancer. But being so integrated with ECHO, I see it so often. And I hear patients and and the staff speaking about their experiences. And and cancer can be scary. What is so beautiful about what ECHO does and what the foundation is able to supplement is it's, it's not just you have cancer, here's what your course of treatment is. It is you have cancer, let's, let's see how we can help you through that experience and make sure that you're getting If you're struggling to pay your bills, here are some resources for you. Or if you are struggling with transportation, we'll get you where you need to go so that, you know, there's not any misstep in your overall care. Years ago, when people heard the word you've got cancer, it was a big, big deal. And I'm not saying it isn't a big, big deal now, but... We've got a lot better with our treatments. I mean, sort of like life expectancy, you know, sort of like future prognosis. I mean, doctor, it is better now, isn't it? Absolutely. I think between our diagnostics, our molecular and targeted testing, our therapeutics, which are very, very focused, targeted, as well as immune-based therapies, we have really turned a corner on cancer. And it is becoming more and more a chronic disease compared to the previous connotation that we had with cancer. So I think that's one of the uh, most gratifying things in my career that I'm seeing when it comes to cancer care. Uh, Just one more thing that I'll add is the foundation also helps patients who are going through financial hardship with their utilities and many other things, including their children's back-to-school programs that the foundation has taken. Because our goal is that the patients are already going through a hard journey when they're going through the cancer treatment, but they should not have to worry about so many other weight on their backs that if we can minimize some of that away from them and take it on ourselves with the community's help, I think we're doing a good job. Well, to you both, thank you ever so much for explaining the work of Eastern Connecticut Hematology and Oncology Associates and the ECHO Cancer Foundation. Amazing organizations. And again, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. Suzette and Charlie, ever so many thanks for joining us. We've just been speaking to Dr. Kapoor and Dana Dowdle from ECHO and the ECHO Cancer Foundation. Now, the reason we have both of you here is, Suzette, in particular, you 
were diagnosed with cancer. We're going to get round to those details in a minute. And that ultimately led you on your journey to find Echo. And then we've got Charlie, your husband's part to this. So explain to us, what were you diagnosed with and how did that make you feel when you found out? In 2019, the end of June, went to the doctor's regular six-month checkup and was given blood work the following day. I was at work and I received a phone call at my desk and it was my primary doctor's doctor's office stating that there was an issue with my blood work. I then asked, you know, well, is it Lyme disease? You know, what, what could it possibly be that that's wrong? And he says, well, I first have to let you know that you are very low in iron. So I stated to the doctor, I said, well, I guess I have to take some iron pills. He said, I'm sorry to say, but it's a little more serious than that. At that point, I had another fellow co-worker was in the office with me. And I kind of sat back a little bit and he said, "Um, sorry to tell you this, but you have leukemia. And I was completely floored. I couldn't speak. There were no words was more taken back with the fact that here I'm thinking I, it was just a routine checkup and come to find out it was a serious diagnosis of leukemia. He then stated to me that I needed to get my affairs together and to get to Dr. Kapoor's office, which is the ECHO group in Norwich, Connecticut, and get there as, as soon as I could that they knew that I was on my way. Having taken this real strongly, I immediately broke down fellow co-worker took me into his office. He says, listen, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you to the doctors and, and whatever we have to do to get you there today. I then took a breath or two and immediately got in my vehicle and started driving to Bacchus Hospital. I then called my husband and said, I need you to meet me at Dr. Poor's office. And he didn't ask any questions. He says, I'm on my way. So from there, it was a whirlwind. That was on a Thursday. Dr. Kapoor took me right in. He said, you know, I see your blood work, and I have to tell you that your numbers aren't good. He said, this is a serious situation. I then had a bone marrow biopsy done right there in the office, which was not fun (laughs) in the least bit. But I was so amped up knowing that I had something seriously wrong with me that I was able to just withstand it just because I wanted to know for sure. He said, this test that I'm giving you now, this will let us know for sure what we have going on. So needless to say, the test came back positive, and I have AML, which is a form of leukemia. There's one of two forms of leukemia. One is chronic, and one is AML. And it's myeloidal cancer, which is an acute cancer. And normally your diagnosis is you have a short time left. You're clearly a fighter, and as we discuss this, understandably, it is an emotional conversation that we are having with you. Talk us through where you're at at the moment. I mean, how are you at the moment? I mean, to me, you look amazing. But how do you feel, and where are you at at the moment on this journey? Right now, um, like you said it was, it was a long journey. I opted for the high-dose treatment. And I had the backing of my husband and my family to, to see me through it. At this point, health-wise, I'm in remission. Uh, I do have some residual effects from the chemotherapy. My heart was damaged to the extent where I have to take daily, numerous daily medications in order for uh, my heart to function at a normal capacity for someone my age. I just give it my all. You know, every day I wake up, I thank the Creator for another day. And 
I try to live life the best that I possibly can. I try to do as much as I can for other people and look at things in a totally different light than what I did prior to this diagnosis. I'm sure anybody who also has been diagnosed with cancer must be able to relate so well to what you're saying that suddenly life takes on a completely different meaning. I just want to quickly turn to your husband, Charlie, if I may. Charlie, how did it all feel? You know, you, um, Suzette said, you know, she called you. She said, can you meet me at the doctor's office? There was no hesitation from you. But, you know, what was going through your mind? It was it was a tough journey. I mean, we I met her in the doctor's office, and then they were telling me that they were going to have to do this special thing that I'd have to go out in the other room, and I could hear her hollering in the other room. So I knew it was painful, but she was she's a strong woman. They immediately ended up putting her in the hospital, and as she got to the hospital, of course, then I started to think of cancer. So when you start to think of cancer, you start to think of, oh boy, here we go. This is this isn't good, you know. Cancer is not curable. Cancer is bad. Cancer is this thing that you just have no control over. And I thought I was going to lose her. As they were doing the medication and stuff, you know, I was there every morning before work. Every day at lunchtime, I'd go there to see if she needed anything. Every night at dinner time, I'd go there to see if she needed anything. And I would stay at the hospital as long as I could every day of the week, knowing that she really needed the support and the strength to help her pull through it because... She was in and out, sleeping, falling, you know, just going for tests, going for tests, going for tests. And it was really an emotional situation. It was it was a tough battle to go through. But as things started to go along, she started to, you know, fade in and out. And the more she did that, the more I thought we were going to lose her. And, you know, the doctors would come in, the nurses would come in, and they would look at me and just nod their head to say, they don't know what's going to happen, you know, and, and where it's at. Because, you know, me being the spouse or me being the person there, I wanted answers. I wanted to know what's what's my chances here, what's going on, what's, what's taking place. So as she did fade out, the, the good part behind the story is started to nod out. And I think it was just before she went into her coma, she said that she would like to play golf with Ashley Baylor, which was talking about her golf game on TV and stuff. And I said to her, you pull through this, and if there's any way possible I can make that happen, we're going to make that happen. And so now we're working on this great foundation through the ECHO Foundation, through the Cancer Society, not only for her, but it's to let people know out there that there is help, and the ECHO Foundation is so great. Ashley Baylor agreed to come to this tournament and play golf with her, and that just brightened her eyes and made her life a whole lot easier. And so as we went on and went through with that, I give great thanks to the Creator every day for, for, for giving us another day in peace. You know, I, I went to the chief of our tribe and asked her if she would do a blessing on this tournament for, for those that are fighting this battle, the blood disease that, you know, that people have no answers. And, and she was like, yes, I'll do that, you know. And in the meantime, she, she became the U.S. treasurer. So she was going to end up going to Washington, but she said she'd be home for this to do this. So not only do we get the, the chief and the treasurer of the United States now coming here to be part of it with Ashley Baylor, that's going to be quite a, a piece for, for people to see as she gives a blessing.
So we should just clarify for people who are listening that both of you work for the Mohegan tribe. Um, so just so that we can so, like, so people understand, obviously, the connection there, obviously, the amazing work that that organization and the tribe does. I want to turn back to you, Suzette, because, you know, Charlie so very eloquently put it about, you know, what's going to be happening and about this golf tournament. We're going to get onto that a little bit more in just a moment. But he mentioned about the fact that, you know, you slipped into a coma for a short while, but just before you did, you, you know, you made this statement. When you came back again, as it were, and you were cognizant of what was going on, and Charlie said, I'm going to make this happen, what was your reaction to that? I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, when Ashley Baylor started working for uh, WTMH Channel 8, as of the meteorologist, immediately I, I just liked I just liked her. Her quirkiness, her sense of humor, just everything about her, I, I just liked. I felt like I had an instant friend and didn't even know who she was. So that morning when we were watching the news together and she came on, she was talking about um, playing golf over the weekend. I was at a pretty low point, wouldn't sleep at night because I was afraid that I wouldn't wake up in the morning and... I thought that that would be something that would never be possible. But Charlie, you know, when he said that, that just made me smile, you know, because I know he's he's always been there for me and backing me and, and trying to give me the positive side of everything. So that meant a lot, but I never thought that, you know in my wildest dreams, that her and I would ever play golf together. (laughs) So it is happening. The first annual Suzette Strickland Golf Tournament will be taking place on September 23rd, 2022, at the Mohegan Golf Club. That's amazing that you've got this this tournament named after you. Not many people get to have a tournament named after them. What are your hopes and desires? And I'm going to ask Charlie this as well. But, you know, what is it you want people to get out of this? Obviously, they're going to get a great game of golf, but it's not just about that, of course. What is it that you hope will come out of this? Not only a great game of golf, but I hoped for for a very fun day, for a very good cause. While I was going through treatment real quickly, um, I just want to state a couple of things that I've noticed. Um, because I was, if I wasn't in the hospital, I was at that doctor's office every single day. Some days at my worst and some days, you know, at my best at that point. And there were different things that I would notice. I'd notice like a basket and it had all different snacks in it. And it, there was just a little sign there that said free to take is, you know, whatever, take whatever you need. Or there was a basket that had knitted hats or and, and scarves. And at that point, from my treatments, I had, I had com- completely no hair left. Um, I went from hair that was way past the middle of my back to completely bald. So be, it being wintertime, those, they came in handy. And I would go into the treatment room and a nurse would bring me over a blanket. And it was a nice, soft, comfortable blanket. And just the, the ease that I felt. And she's like, oh, you can take that home. And I, I you know, was kind of wondering, you know, where exactly these things came from. But thought maybe it was, you know, by donations or whatever. So I never really knew about the Echo Foundation. It wasn't until this past March where Charlie said, I think it would be a good idea if we put together a golf tournament to benefit cancer patients in honor of you. 
because he knew the difficult time I had while I was going through there and hearing stories from from other patients crying, saying that they couldn't afford to keep their their power on because they had to pay for the co-payments of their medications, so they were going without power. Or the ones that were were crying, saying that they didn't have a ride to their next treatment. And I just always wanted to help. So I would come home and I would say, these poor people, I feel so bad. I would try to do my best to try to lighten their moods and and help them when I could, when I myself was in need of help. So this was always something I felt very strongly about. So in March when he said, I want to have a golf tournament so we can raise money for people, cancer patients that are in need of help. It wasn't until I went a couple weeks later to Dr. Kapoor, and I said, Dr. Kapoor, uh, Charlie and I, uh, Charlie is also a patient of the ECHO group for a blood clotting issue. I said, Charlie and I were thinking about putting together a golf tournament. I said, but I don't want to go the corporate route. I don't want to go, I mean, American Cancer Society um, does great things. They're nation worldwide, nationwide. But I see a lot of commercials that I know cost a lot of money. Um, there's salaries that are paid for out of the donations, and not all the donations are given to the patients. I said to Dr. Kapoor, I wish I could find something that was local. And he said, I have it. I got it for you. I'll be right back. And he came back in with the social workers and explained to me about the Echo Foundation. At that point, a lot of things started to become clear where the snacks came from, where the free lunches came from, the blankets, the hats and scarves. This was all from money that was donated and given to the patients by the Echo Cancer Foundation. I knew at that point that this is where I wanted the benefits, the proceeds from this golf tournament to go to. Let me just turn back to you, Charlie, and it's a very simple final question for you. And How proud of her are you? I'm extremely proud. I mean, that was a battle and a fight that myself, I don't think I would have made it. And so the strength that she showed and what she did was phenomenal. I mean, it's just amazing to see somebody going through what they went through. And Suzette, the same question to you. How proud of Charlie are you? Oh, boy. I can't even begin to describe how grateful that I am that he was here for me. And this battle, I don't think I could have done it without him. Honestly, he has been my rock. He has been my hope and my strength. And through him and his strength given to me, made me want to beat cancer. Suzette and Charlie Strickland, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to both of you. We wish you continued success with, obviously, the cancer situation. I'm emotional just talking to you. Thank you ever so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to help us to promote this so that maybe all of Connecticut, all of the world, will be able to heal. There is hope and prayer out there for every, every ill person. Both Suzette and Charlie are incredible people, and that was one of the most emotional interviews I've recorded in my career to date. If you want to help them give back, the first annual Suzette Strickland Golf Tournament is Friday, September 23rd at the Mohegan Sun Golf Club. And you can find details and register for the event at echoassociates.org forward slash golf. (music) 
Fall will soon be here and now's the time to start thinking about fall planting and maintenance. From your trees to your plants, now's the time to book ahead with Green Valley Tree LLC. Let us set up a fall maintenance plan for you to make sure your yard is ready for when winter arrives. Contact us via our website at greenvalleytreeworks.com or call us on 860-234-4041. And don't forget to ask us about our 100% no money down financing too. Time now for a look at other stories making the headlines this week, sponsored by... Healing Therapies Through Sharing is Eastern Connecticut's holistic wellness center for those recently diagnosed or living with a cancer diagnosis and their caregivers. We offer a range of services including adult and pediatric oncology massage, lymphatic drainage, craniosacral therapy, yoga for cancer, and much more. For details about our full range of services and our team of licensed professional therapists and providers, visit our website at healingtherapiesct.org or call us on 860-443-0800. We look forward to hearing from you. Republican candidate for governor Bob Stefanowski visited New London recently, the site of the controversial state peer project. Stefanowski called out the Connecticut Port Authority and the governor over the project, which has ballooned from an initial $93 million to over $255 million, and called the project part of Governor Lamont's corruption tax. What should the governor do? There's an FBI investigation. There's subpoenas. There's FOI requests that never get filled. We all know what's going on. He's trying to bury this until after the election. Every single one of you know that because he knows it's not going to look good. Stefanowski also questioned how Scott Bates, a former Port Authority chairman, had managed to leave and get another high-paying job with the state despite the continuing scandal swirling around the Port Authority. How is it that the former chairman of the Port Authority, Scott Bates, is still being paid by the taxpayers of Connecticut, assistant director or whatever he is to the Secretary of State. This is classic political patronage. It gets back to leadership. Leadership is about holding people accountable. Leadership is about sending a message to the rest of the organization that we will not tolerate fraud. The Port Authority continues to be investigated by federal and state lawmakers as it attempts to finish the state pier project to allow it to start becoming part of an offshore wind turbine hub for energy projects off the East Coast. Governor Lamont announced last week that the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, Thomas J. Vilsack, has designated New London and Wyndham counties in the state as natural disaster areas due to ongoing drought conditions. The designation means farmers in those and neighbouring counties are eligible for certain farm assistance from the Farm Service Agency, as Connecticut Department of Agriculture Commissioner Brian Herbert explains. This declaration will open up some crop insurance type programs for farmers, make it easier for them to apply and be eligible for it. It'll allow them to reconfigure their farm loan. They have a USDA sponsored loan, which is really important if you have a decreased yield or lower production to be able to skip a loan payment in a a year like this. It also opens up emergency loans for those farms that need extra capital to get by. Hannah Tripp is the owner of Provider Farm in Salem and says the drought is one thing, dealing with the local wildlife is something else. We've had bear and coyotes in our watermelons. We've had wildlife get in our greenhouse where we start all of our seeds and wipe out multiple successions of fall crops. We've had mice in you know, places where we store food, where we've never had mice before. So the wildlife cannot be understated. 
The emergency declaration will allow farmers to apply for certain financial assistance from the Farm Service Agency to help them with losses in their business and also crops. Tripp says it's not just fruit and vegetables, though, that are affected. Milk production in the state is also being affected by the drought, too. Residents living in Waterford can now get specialised healthcare services from Hartford Healthcare's newest and largest health centre. Rebecca Durham is the Senior Director of Clinical and Operational Integration for Hartford Healthcare East Region and says centres like these are all part of their mission to bring services closer to local communities. So we try to make it what we call that one-stop shop. So you come to this centre, you see your primary care doctor, there's a concern that they have and they can refer you right upstairs to your urologist or to a general surgeon, to physical therapy. That's kind of the model we're looking for is bringing the care out into the community and bringing the services to the people where they need it. Durham says they have many services available for people and especially the male population. Men tend to go see urologists for various reasons and when they go see their urologist what we had found is they weren't connected to a primary care doctor. They hadn't seen someone for their diabetes. They were overweight and they didn't know where they should turn. And so what we do here in our Tallwood Urology Institute is if there are services that they may need that they're not connected to, we have nurse navigators that will connect with the patient and connect them to the services that they may need. The 70,000-square-foot centre has been built on the site of the former Toys R Us store opposite the town's Crystal Mall shopping centre and has easy access from Routes 85 and Interstate 95. The centre houses not only primary care doctors, but specialty services like breast health, colorectal surgery and men's health, and adds to local health centres in Mystic and Porkatuck. That's all from us for this edition. Do send us your questions and story ideas to the show via our website at Connecticut-East.com or Facebook or Twitter at Connecticut East and on Instagram at Connecticut East this week. And you can listen to the show again on our social platforms on demand and by asking your smart speaker to play Connecticut East this week podcast. And please like, follow and share on your social media too. I'm Brian Scott Smith. Thank you for listening.